Man, so good to see you again this morning. Want to welcome you here to Valpo. Welcome uh, now our other locations. Come on, welcome Wanata, North Judson, NPH, Westville, uh, Hebron, our full throw. Come on, put your hands together. Let them know you're awake, you're here. So good to see you this morning. And uh, man, you know what? I made you sit down. Stand back up. I got to have you stand back up because I got, I got a guest coming to the stage that uh, I was telling on the first service. I met Pastor Marty and Miss Paula. Uh, in Atlanta, Georgia, in a living room of a, of a great mentor of ours named Jeannie Mayo, and met him, I want to say it was 17 years ago, because I've January will start, uh, I think January will start my 19th or my 20th, I don't even know, I've done lost count, my 19th or 20th year in youth ministry, and I met him two years uh, as I started into that journey, him and his amazing wife, Miss Paula. They're not friends, they're like family. Uh, they've been here several times with us before. God uses them in a mighty way. They are experiencing incredible things uh, in, in their home church in North Georgia that he's going to be sharing with us some this morning. Our students had, did we have a blast with them students this weekend? Come on, we had a blast and uh, we had a great time. And so I want you to give a big Heartland welcome. Come on, put your hands together. North Judson, Hebron. Come on, Wanata. Come on, Valpo. Online to Pastor Marty, Miss Paula. Bless you, love you, man. I love you, man. It's like being home. You can be seated this morning. My Lord, good to be in Valpo. We, uh, my wife and I served 18 years in youth ministry and absolutely loved it. Got to meet some incredible people like Pastor Matt, Leslie, PJ, all the leaders here. Phenomenal. You should really, really take some time to, to uh, celebrate the leadership here. We were having lunch I think it was yesterday, we were having lunch over at the, uh, the camp, and one of the leaders came up to us. It was me and my wife, Paula Joe. Paula Joe, would you stand and wave at everybody? Look at this girl. My God in heaven. Woo! Breathtaking. Been dating that girl since 1990. <laughs> I have no intentions of stop dating her. That's my girlfriend. I'm going to always treat her like my girlfriend so nobody else ever gets that opportunity. Hello, women. Y'all should have said amen right there. And so uh, we were sitting there having lunch, and one of, the, one of the volunteers comes over, one of the workers at the camp, and she was asking Pastor Matt, PJ, and them, hey, are you guys with all the students that are here this weekend? And they're like, yeah, I mean, well, maybe. I don't know. I don't know if we should answer that. What'd they do? And she said, I have to tell you something. We see kids all the time. This is the greatest group of students, most polite, most kind. They're, they're generous. Uh, we've never seen any kids like this. This is wonderful. And so it's a great... Uh, testimony to the youth ministry here and Heartland Christian Center. So thank God for you and your belief in these kids and this generation. I don't believe this is the generation that God's going to use someday. I believe this is the generation God's using today. Somebody said amen. Hey, if you have your Bibles, would you go to Acts chapter 20? Don't have a lot of time today. We have had the honor of preaching and ministering over at the the fall retreat, which is one of our favorite things to do, is to be around students. We did 18 years of youth ministry, and then revival came to our church in 2018. I'll share about that in just a moment. Once revival hit in 2018, my pastor came to me, and he said, Hey, Marty, I want to ask you to step out of youth ministry and consider being our youth pastor. And I said, I don't consider that at all. Or being our executive pastor, I said, I don't consider that at all. I would, I would never do the executive pastor role. I wouldn't do you well if I were in that role because I'm a youth pastor at heart. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I don't even know how to execute anything. You know, I don't know what executive pastors do. 
I love being around students. I love being in schools, middle school, high school, ball games. I don't know anything about that. So after revival hit, he came to me and he said, Marty, you know, we were getting about, oh, I don't know, five emails a week, and they immediately went to about 500 emails a week. The phone calls went from about five phone calls a week to about 5,000 phone calls a week because people all over the world were calling and emailing about this North Georgia revival thing. And I'll talk about it in just a moment, like I said, but our church has experienced some great things in the past five years. I'm going to share about that this morning as we get into the word, but we didn't, we didn't, we didn't pray for revival. We prayed for his presence. Thank you. <laughs> we, didn't, we never prayed for healings. We prayed for the healer. We never prayed for more gifts to be in operation. We just prayed for the gift giver to show up. And so we're in 21 days of prayer and fasting. We're walking across uh, praying in our sanctuary. Our pastor said we're not going to pray for cars to sell, homes to sell, financial blessing. That's not how. And we did that all those years before. We started the year off with 21 days of prayer and fasting, much like any other church. But our pastor said this year we're not doing that. We're praying for God's presence, for his glory, and his power. That's what we're going to pray for, that we would see his face. We're like, hey, I like this kind of talk. Because how many of you know more programs won't change people? His presence will. We don't need more lukewarm Christians in the church. We need men and women absolutely on fire. That's what we need, the fire and the presence of God. And so Pastor Todd, our senior pastor back home at Christ Fellowship Church, Dawsonville, Georgia. How many of you have ever heard of Dawsonville? You've heard yeah, God doesn't know it's there either. He's like, did I put that there? Hey, angels, what is that? What's that little blip down there in North Georgia? I don't know, Dawsonville. It was known for NASCAR and moonshine. Moonshine back in the day, we had no idea. It was called fire water. Did y'all know that? I didn't know that. So anyway, 21 days of prayer and fasting, 2018. My pastor's walking across the platform. We have a baptistry right over here in this area, and it was always empty. We always filled it four times a year. And it was for new converts, new believers to be baptized in water. Uh, we came out of the Baptist church. Thank God for the Baptist church. I got saved in the Baptist church. I got filled with the Holy Spirit in a Baptist church. Hello, somebody. That's a miracle in and of itself. So I guess I'm Bapticostal. <laughs> I'm spirit-filled Bapticostal. So, so my pastor is looking at this empty pool, walking across the platform, and all of a sudden God gives my former Southern Baptist pastor an open vision. Never had an open vision in his life, didn't know what it was. He'd read about it in the scripture, just never had one until he sees the pool full of water. He's looking around like, does anybody else see this? Well, nobody else saw it because God was only speaking to him. God only had an open vision for him. He sees it full of water. And if you remember those action movies back in the day where they would put fuel all over the ground and then somebody would go over to the side and strike a match and light it and it would take off. You know what I'm talking about? Y'all do. They have no idea. They're like, what are you talking about? It would, and it would just sit there and just kind of, that's what he saw, a strip of fire on top of that water in this open vision. The water, it's not there, but it is there in his vision. And he sees a strip of fire on top of it. And he said it lasted about eight seconds and then all went away. And the Lord spoke to my pastor that we've been with now for almost 30 plus years. He said, God spoke to me and told our congregation, God spoke to me and he said, I'm going to start baptizing people in Holy Spirit and fire. We just thought, I mean, I don't know what we thought. I guess we just thought it was like an Acts 1, you should receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. I guess we thought it was an Acts 2. Suddenly they were in the upper room, they were all filled, and, and sat on top of them was like cloven tongues as of fire. 
We thought it meant the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We had no idea what God was talking about when he said, I'm going to send Holy Spirit and fire. We have baptized in five years. Tonight will be week 295. As soon as we're done here, we'll travel back to Chicago midway, jump on a plane, head back to Dawsonville, Georgia, drive an hour and 15 minutes up north to a little old town called Dawsonville. We'll get into the water about 8 o'clock. There were times in the past where we would get in the water at 8 o'clock on Sunday night and get out Monday morning at 6.30. 300 plus people baptized. People saying, I want the fire of God. I've got addiction. I've got sickness. I've got disease. And it's going to take the fire of God to heal me, break me through this thing. I, need to, I don't need another program. I don't need another sermons. Sermons are great. I'm actually preaching one now. <laughs> but sermon, another sermon's not going to save you or heal you or fix you. It's the presence of the king. It's the presence of God. It's the fire from heaven that's going to fall and change all of us. I want some of that. And so, and so in five years, tonight is week 295 of the North Georgia Revival. It's all over YouTube, Facebook, all over ISN Network with Sid Roth. You guys ever heard of Sid Roth, the ISN Network? It's supernatural. They show us live every Sunday night. It's, it's there. But in five years, we have just baptized over 34,500 people in five years from all over the world. Blind eyes open, deaf ears opening. The the lame, walking, legs growing back right in front of our eyes. I'm going to share some stories in a minute. Absolutely blow your mind. It's blown my mind. I'm seeing things today in, in the past five years that I didn't see in the first 25 of walking with the Lord ever. In five years, these eyes have seen some things. We've not seen dozens of miracles. We've not seen hundreds. We have literally seen thousands of miracles in Dawsonville, Georgia, in Bowling Green, Kentucky, in Anaheim, California, in Seoul, Korea, in Honduras. We've seen it. God is moving on the earth. Don't you dare believe what the media is telling you, that it's dark and it's decayed and it's dying. I'm telling you, Jesus is alive. He's raising up his church. He's cleaning and baptizing her because he's purifying his bride. Come on, somebody. Woo! We're going to talk about that today. There's a book. Matter of fact, I wrote a book. I wrote a book. I'm not an author. I don't claim to be one. But the Lord told me to write a book on how to hear the voice of heaven. It took me five years to write this book. Not because it's that big. I'm just that slow. In youth ministry, you don't have a lot of time to do anything else but youth ministry. So it took me five years to really put pen to paper on how can I hear from heaven and do exactly what heaven told me to do. I want to echo heaven every day of my life. You don't need my opinion. My opinion never changed anybody. It's my example. Oh, that's good right there. My opinion won't change people. My example will. The more I sound like Christ, look like Christ, give like Christ, love like Christ, serve like Christ, that's what's going to change my school, my community, my area, my church, my youth ministry, and my family. It's the power and the presence of the Lord. That's it. Anything else is just filler. I don't want filler. I want the fire. Well, glory. Anyway, there's a book back there that will tell you how to hear from heaven, how you, what you can do to block the voice of God in your life. I don't want that. So there's certain things you can do. Spend an ample amount of time on video games and binge-watching binge Netflix. That kind of stuff will not get you closer to the, to the presence of God nor hearing Him. What will is what, is what Samuel did. The Bible said Samuel went into the temple and laid right beside the presence of God. 
He heard when he didn't even know the Lord. He heard the voice of God when Eli the priest was not in the temple sleeping by the presence of God and the priest of God didn't hear the voice of God when the young man who had never walked with the Lord did. Why? Proximity is everything. Proximity is everything. And so there's a book out there, Buy Yourself Happy. You'll want to, it's going to good, hungry kids, mine. <laughs> Two beautiful daughters my wife gave me. Are you at Acts chapter 9 yet? I gave you, I mean, uh, Acts 20. I gave you plenty of time to get to Acts chapter 20. We got to hop on a plane, get back to Dawsonville for week 295. But I'm telling you, God did something in the morning service. He did something at Fall Retreat this weekend that we can't explain. <laughs> Woo! My God, it was powerful. I love you. If I haven't told you lately, youth, I love you. Love you. What a great, great time this weekend. Acts chapter 20. Can we stand as we read? The Bible says when Jesus went into the synagogues, he would take the scrolls and they would all stand. It's just an honoring of the word of God. Acts chapter 20, we'll look at verse 7 and following just a couple of scripture. Can we do that? Verse 7, Acts 20. On the first day of the week when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them. If you have a King James Version, it says Paul preached to them. Is that what it says? Anybody got a King James Version? Just hold it way up in the air, way up in the sky. You got, you got King James? One, one person, two people carry the king. Three, four. Does your say Paul preached to them? Yep. So whether it says Paul preached, mine says Paul, Paul talked with them, intending to depart on the next day, and he prolonged his sermon speech until midnight. I promise you I'm not going to midnight, so don't, don't worry. There were many lamps in the upper room that were gathered, many lamps. And a young man named Eutychus, say Eutychus, sitting at the window, sank into a deep sleep. Eutychus fell asleep. As Paul talked still longer. And being overcome by sleep, he fell down out of the third story and was taken up dead. Killer sermon. That's a terrible dad joke. <laughs> but Paul went down and bent over him and taking him in his arms said, Do not be alarmed for his life is in him. And when Paul had gone up and had broken bread and eaten, he conversed with them a long while until daybreak. I thought he preached long when he went to midnight. Paul said, You ain't seen nothing yet. I'm going to go till daybreak. Preach till the next morning. And then he departed. Last verse, verse 12. And they took the youth, the young boy, away alive. And they were not a little comforted. <laughs> Isn't that funny? They were not a little comforted. They were a lot of comforted. When they saw that young boy get healed and raised from the dead, they weren't a little comforted. They were a lot of comforted. Isn't that powerful? Father, this is your word. It's a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. It brings correction instruction, revelation, but today, oh God, let it bring transformation in my life and in the life of every believer in this house and everybody online. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen, amen. You can be seated this morning. If you're one of those note takers, I like to put titles with messages because it helps me remember things. Would you just write at the top of your page, down, but not done? Anybody ever been down in your life? Like, like the job, you got fired, or a sickness just came out of nowhere, or this pain, sharp pain out of nowhere, it just took you down for a minute. 
You ever, you ever been sick where you just laid for a couple of days, maybe a couple of weeks, just sick, and you were trying to remember what it felt like to be good and healthy? Anybody ever been down for just a minute? Can I tell you that we, we in America, we in the church, we might be down, but we're not done. I know there's as many people leaving the church today and going out and venturing into to different things. I'm not here to talk about LGBTQ+, but that thing seems to be taking over all the media. Just stay away from the media. Get into the Word of God. My, my friends and my family and my community does not need my opinion based on the whole transgender, where I stand and where I sit. Let me tell you where I stand on the Word of God. Whatever the Word of God says, I'm going to believe it no matter what. And if it says homosexuality is an abomination, then guess what, baby? It's wrong. Whether you like it, I like it or not, if God likes it and that's what he said, then that's what we're going to take. Down but not done. Do you know there are, there are four things that, that Jesus had to do to become the Messiah? I don't know if you know this or not, but rabbis taught this, that if, if, if we're going to uh, recognize the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one, then the Messiah has to do four things. Rabbis taught this. They know this till this day. Rabbis know that the Messiah, if he's coming, he's got to do four things. Number one, the rabbis taught that only the Messiah could heal a leper. You'll know when the Messiah comes, when he can heal a leper. If he can heal a leper, that's the Messiah. Number two, the second thing, the second qualification the Messiah has to do, he has to be able not only to heal a leper, but to cast out a mute demon. Somebody that cannot speak, the Messiah has to heal them so where they can speak again. Got to be able to cleanse a leper, heal a leper, and then... Cast out a mute spirit, mute demon. Third thing a rabbi would teach, that the Messiah coming has to heal a man born blind. Not just blind, born blind. Jesus has done all three of those up until the fourth one. Here's the fourth one. They would have made it so tough. Here's the fourth one that they, they said the rabbi has to do. Not only heal a leper, cast out a mute demon, heal a man born blind, but the fourth thing that rabbi said, the Messiah, when he comes, he has to be able to raise a man from the dead four days dead. Did y'all know this? Before Jesus ever went to the tomb of Lazarus, rabbis would teach, we will put our faith in this Messiah if he's able to do not one, not two, not three, all four of these. Jesus had accomplished all three, and then he stands in front of a tomb of a man named Lazarus, and then he says, Lazarus, come forth. And that dead man walked out of that grave, and Jesus said, stop. That ain't good enough. Take off his grave clothes. Because I, what what, what, I don't want what he wore in to be on him when I deliver him. I want to free him completely. I don't even want the stench of smoke on his life. Take those grave clothes off. And the Bible says that Lazarus was four days dead. His sister said, he's so dead, Jesus. Behold, his body stinketh. That's what the King James Version says. Behold, Lazarus stinketh because he's been there four days. And Jesus walks up. And here's why. Here's why four days. Because they believe, the Jewish culture, they believe the spirit can hang around the body for a day or two or maybe three, but never four. You could easily see somebody come back from the life because they didn't do embalming and things we do today. They said you could easily see somebody come back to life in one day, maybe two, possibly three, never four. So if, he can, if the Messiah can raise a dead person 
four days dead, he's the Messiah. Jesus checked off all four of those boxes. Somebody say down, but not done. This weekend, we saw miracles. We heard about a miracle just a few moments ago. I had no idea that Leslie had this issue in her right hip. I had no idea that she had torn her labrum. I had no idea. Pastor Matt and Leslie, we have no conversation about that. Last night, during prayer, Miss Leslie told Pastor Matt, I was standing over here praying, asking God to heal my hip, when Marty called out, if you have pain in your right hip, come, we want to pray for you. The moment she's praying, God said, okay, I'll respond to that. And speaks through me, who has no idea that she's going through this, but it's a word of knowledge, according to 1 Corinthians 12, where God will give you a gift of word of knowledge that you shouldn't know about somebody, but because he knows about it, he'll let you speak it and confirm in them what they already know about themselves. She knew she had a torn labor. She knew her hip was hurting. I didn't. God did. But if you'll be a donkey, hello, Balaam's donkey, God can use a donkey. Well, he's still using donkeys. Hee-haw. And so if you'll just be available, God will speak through you to change the situation and the culture around you. He's just looking for an obedient voice to echo heaven. When you're at work, echo heaven. When you're at school, echo heaven. What does that mean? Say what God says. Do what God does. Do what Jesus did. Give like Jesus gave. Serve like Jesus serves. That's it. That's what's going to change the culture around you. When, when Thanksgiving comes up this year around the family table, when you stand up and pray instead of, Lord, thank you for the food, bless the turkey in Jesus' name, you're going to, wake, you're going to, you're going to walk up to that table and say, Lord, Father, I thank you that the fire of God's about to fall in this house. Lord, you're going to baptize everybody in the Holy Ghost and fire. Everybody's going to fall out speaking in new tongues. Lord, we're going to be changed. Addiction's going to be broken. You're going to heal everybody that's sick. The blind will see. The deaf will hear. The lame will walk. In this house, we're thanking you for the power of God that's about to flow in this place. Everybody's going to look at you like, what just happened? What, what was that? I thought we were just blessing the turkey and the, and the dressing. What just happened? I'm down, but I'm not done. I don't know how many of you have been down before, and you got something in your life, maybe right now. Down, but I'm not done. Eutychus, Eutychus, this kid's name's Eutychus. He's up in the third story. Paul's preaching all night. We don't know how long, but we know it was a long time. Preached all the way to, they had dinner. Preaching, that's a bad situation. When you have a meal and go straight into a message, people sitting around, that food starts kicking in, you're like... Paul's preaching, the Bible says, a long sermon. So not only is he preaching, it's a long sermon. Not only are, are, are they in a room together, it's a hot room because they have candles burning. They have candles, they have incense burning, and they have these fragrances that are coming off the candles. So not only is it, is it he's, Eutychus has a full stomach, but now he's in Turkey, and it's hot, but he's got a breeze in the upper window, and he's starting to fall asleep because Paul keeps preaching. And he falls asleep. He fell 30, 33 stories, 30, 30 something feet. How many feet was it? 30 feet? He fell. He fell a long way. He fell a long way. And the Bible says Eutychus fell asleep in church, in the house where the preaching was taking place. The prodigal backslid in the church, in the house, not out in the streets. That's where he ended up. The enemy is trying to suffocate the church and get the church to shut up, be quiet, sit there and play nice. Don't expand. Don't evangelize. Don't, for dear God in heaven, don't build a, a sunshine center to help and bless a lot of people. Don't do that. 
But I thank God for a church that says, shut up, devil. You're under our feet. We're going to do things to impact the community around us. Man, you go to a great church. I hope you understand. This is a, a powerful church in Valpo and all around the area. North Judson. Hello, somebody. We've seen, we've seen 34,000 plus people, 295 weeks, five years in a row to the North Georgia Revival where people have flown in from Guam, New Zealand, Tokyo, Japan, Australia, London. They come in every week. COVID slowed everything down, but it's picking up steam again. People, we had people this past week from London, from Pakistan, from Puerto Rico. They're coming from all over because they've heard that Jesus is on the move. I want to be where Jesus is moving. If Jesus is doing things in Guatemala, I'm going to Guatemala. If Jesus is stirring up and, 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 and awakening a church in New York City, I'm going to New York City. Heaven forbid, they need, new, they need a revival in New York City. Amen. Wherever God's moving, I'm going to go. I want to be there. And so these people have come from all over the world like this one. This one's Alex. I showed him this weekend at Fall Retreat. This is Alex. Man, he came into the water 2018. I ask four questions every time people get in the water. What's your name? Where are you from? Why are you in the water? Do you want to hold your nose? He said, my name is Alex. I said, where are you from? He told me. I said, why are you in the water? Alex says, well, I'm a full-blown homosexual. All I've ever known is sleeping with other men. But I want Jesus to set me free. My wife calls the water truth serum. Because a lot of people get in the water and they, they, they'll wait in line for hours and hours and hours. There's times, y'all, we get in the water at 8 o'clock on Sunday night, get out Monday morning at 6.30. I'm going, I'm going home to get in bed from baptizing and she's leaving to go to work. We're high-fiving, hugging, kissing, all right, and she's going to work. I'm going to sleep for a few hours. That's what we do. Sometimes it's 6 a.m., sometimes it's 1 a.m. You just never know. But we're done when Jesus is done. When the last person needs to get in the water, we're done. He gets in the water, and most people have a rehearsed speech. But when you get in the water, Paul said it's truth serum. You think you know what you're going to say until you get in the water and say, I'm a full-blown homosexual. We're, we're, we're live-streamed every Sunday night to ISN Network all over the world. People are watching on YouTube, Facebook. The world is watching. He says, I'm a full-blown homosexual, but Jesus can set me free, can he? I'm like, 1,000%, yes. He's going to set you free. We baptize this man. He comes up out of this water with a roar I've never heard in my life. There was something that came out of this man that was a deep victory cry, war cry of, I'm free. Three years later, Paul and I, I don't know if you're with me on that trip to Bowling Green, Kentucky. I'm baptizing in Bowling Green, Kentucky. We preached and baptized probably 1, 30, 2 o'clock in the morning. We're baptizing. This girl taking uh, pictures comes up behind me and taps on my shoulder. I turn around. She said, hey, I'm Sarah. I just want to know, um, do you remember my friend Alex? I said, sweetheart, we baptized about 34,000 people. You got to be a little bit more specific. Alex who? She said, Alex, the African-American man that got in the water and said he was a full-blown homosexual. I was like, Yes. I remember him. How's he doing? She said, oh, my God, that was three years ago. He is completely free to this day. He's still free. Jesus set him free. Don't you buy this stuff. Well, I was born this way. No, you weren't. You were fearfully and wonderfully made, and somewhere along the line, something got perverted. That's it. Bottom line. Well, I don't know if I would agree with that. Well, 
You better take it up with the King of kings and Lord of lords. You better take it up with the creator of the universe that says it is an abomination for you to be in a, in a homosexual, lesbian lifestyle. That's the word of God. He doesn't hate you. He's not mad at you. He's saying, I can pull you up out of that stuff. I can set you free. Why is he hollering? Because he gets excited. Because I've seen too much. I've seen, I've seen marriages restored. When this guy, Zach Cook, gets in the water, he said, my marriage is over. I've got a lawyer. My wife's got a lawyer. All we have to do is sit down, and it's done. I said, well, then why are you in the water? He said, because I want God to heal my marriage. Do you think God can heal my marriage? 1,000%. Yes. We baptized Zach Cook. I don't know how to explain it. I don't understand it, but I'm okay with it. This is typically what happens. We put a word with it. We didn't know what to call it. We just call it wrecked. When you lose all faculties and you think you can stand up and you think you're good, and then when you stand up and the Lord just knocks you out and begins to do surgery on the inside that doesn't require scalpels or needles or shots or cutting or anything, God just does it supernaturally. I don't know. I don't know. I can't explain it. He's a chiropractor. He's an intelligent man. Why is he losing all his potential to get up and talk and function? He's just out. He's wrecked. But I know this. One month later, he gets back in the water. 30 days later, he comes back. He's got a girl with him this time. And I thought, wow, he divorced and got him a new girlfriend. That was quick. You know, man of faith. <laughs> I'm, I'm just being honest. I thought, wow, <laughs> he didn't play around. Another girl. He's like, uh-uh. That's my wife. I said, what? He said, God restored our marriage. They got into the water and renewed their vows right in front of God and everybody. They renewed their vows in the water. My pastor led them in a new wedding vow renewal right there in front of God and everybody. And about, oh, I don't know, 10 months later, they sent me a Facebook message and they said, Marty, are you sitting down? I said, I probably should be, shouldn't I? They're like, yeah, because look what the Lord gave us. They named their son Dawson Graham Cook. Graham, because they loved Dr. Billy Graham, the late Reverend Billy Graham, and so they named his middle name Graham, but his first name is named after our county back in North Georgia at the North Georgia Revival, Dawson County. Dawsonville's the city. Dawson's the county. They named him after Dawson. They said, our son will be raised up only knowing the revival fire of God. Our son will only be able to say, I've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. No drugs and alcohol will ever touch that young man. Now they've got the second child. Now they're leading a, a tent revival in Kannapolis, North Carolina. They were down in their marriage, but they weren't done. They just needed to get to a place where we, where we say, God, we need you. Jesus, we need some help. This young girl came to us. One of the, the revival nights, her name was Olivia. I was walking off the platform, getting ready to go change, to put on my baptismal clothes. Our worship leader stopped me, and she said, hey, there's a girl that needs to talk to you. So I walk over about this, this area right here at our platform. I said, I said, yes, ma'am. I got down on my knees with her, and I said, what is it, sweetie? Her name was Olivia. She was eight years old. She said, she said, Marty, I've been tormented since I was four or five years old. I have nightmares every night of my life. I wake up screaming, crying, shouting in a cold sweat. I said, what happened, sweetie? Why are you having these nightmares? I had no idea what she was about to tell me. She said, when I was four years old, maybe five, my uncle came into my room and molested me. Every day of my life, I can still, I smell the smells of my uncle. I still see the images. I can still feel the pain of what he did to me. And I wake up screaming and shouting every night in torment because of what, he, uh, what my uncle did to me. 
Can Jesus set me free? I said 1,000%. Not only can he set you free, he's going to set you free tonight. That little girl, we prayed over her. Again, I don't know how to explain what Jesus does. He just does something. She's just wrecked. In that moment, God began to do surgery and repair what was broken and damaged on the inside of her because she was down. She wasn't done. That little girl got up off the floor. I'm in the water about an hour later. Here she comes into the baptismal pool. I said, Olivia. She said, yeah. Big smile on her face. I said, what are you doing? She takes the mic from me. She said, right over there, God changed my life. Right over there, God set me free. God, I had images and tormenting spirit on me. God broke and set me free right there. She begins to preach, y'all. She's like, if you're here in this room tonight, there are, I don't know, a thousand people in the room. This little eight-year-old girl. If any of you in this room tonight need to get in this water I'm standing in, Jesus will set you free too. Jesus will heal you if you've been raped, molested, sexually abused, tormented. Jesus can set you free like he did me right over there. This little girl. Next thing you know, here comes 40 to 50 more people weeping. One pastor gets in the water. I know him. He's from Peachtree City about an hour and a half south of us. He gets in the water. He's a very reputable man in the area. He was on staff with Mike Bickle. and Anyway, he was on a big, large church staff, and he gets in the water. He said, for 42 years, Marty, 42 years, I've been tormented with this wicked, evil spirit. I have nightmares. I'm tormented every day of my life because when I was a young man, I got raped by a couple of guys. I got raped. It was physical. It was brutal. For 42 years, I didn't even tell my wife. And that little eight-year-old girl called for this, and Jesus said, now, go now. And he said, I want Jesus to set me free too. Tears streaming down his face. He said, for 42 years, I've been leading congregation. I've been leading while bleeding. Jesus set me free. Set me free. Sometimes we get things that are a little bit graphic like this, and I, I apologize if there's children in the room. This is Brenna. She came in the water. She said, I'm 17. I have suicidal thoughts, anxiety, stress, PTSD. I'm like, my God, you're 17. How do you have all this? She's like, it's just too much. The anxiety, the stress, the bullying, the suicidal thoughts, it's just too much. And so I resorted to cutting myself. She gets in the water. My wife Paula's in the water with me this particular night. We're rubbing her arms. She has raised up scars on her arms. This is her left arm. You can see the tattoo. It says forgive, and there's a little heart right at the base of the palm. Cutting. This was two to three days before she gets in the water. She took a recent picture before she got into the water in 2019, I believe it was. Me and my wife are feeling her arm. You can feel the raised up hundreds of cuts on her arms. Both arms just cut up like this. You could feel the raised up. It was like ridges on her arms. I said, sweetheart, is it okay if my wife and I pray for you before we baptize you? Can we take some oil according to James chapter 5? Go look it up. It talks about the oil, praying for the sick. We took oil, put on her arms. I said, is it okay if my wife rubs your arms and prays over you and declares Jesus over your arms and your scars? We're going to trade those scars for Jesus' scars. Is that okay with you? Your broken body for his broken body. Would that be okay? She's like, yes. My wife starts praying over her arms, y'all. This is the picture taken right after her baptism. I don't know how to explain it. I've never seen anything like it in my life. 
Even the scars went away. God restored her skin like baby skin. Like it was never there. Down, but not done. Down, but not done. This lady came from Brunswick, Georgia. Maybe you've heard of her. Lorraine Barge, stage four cancer. The pill's not doing anything. Chemo and radiation has failed you. Go home and die. They said, we don't know what else to tell you. There's nothing we can do for you. Go home and die. She hears somebody actually sent her a video, YouTube video of the North Georgia Revival. She watches it, tells her husband, who is the state, he's the state school superintendent of Georgia. Highly educated man and woman. Stage four cancer, you're dying. They hear about it. Drove six and a half hours to North Georgia, to Christ Fellowship Church, to experience the baptismal waters of the North Georgia Revival. She gets in. Her PET scan, she showed us. This was... Obviously, the heart, you can see the big black spot in the middle is the heart. You can see the bladder. But all the black dots is cancerous lesions. This cancer is eating her from the inside out, zapping her of her strength and energy and taking her life rapidly. Does that make sense to anybody in the room? Does anybody know medical field? And you can attest to that is the little spots are cancerous. Anybody in the medical field? Okay, okay. That is cancerous lesions within her body, the little dark spots. She gets baptized on October 28, 2018. The next day, she's scheduled for a PET scan in the, in the North Georgia area. That's why she came up and timed it just right to get in the water and then go to the doctor. This is what happens the next day when she goes to the doctor. Can't explain it. Don't know how. This is the x-ray that's been seen all over the world. Doctors brought her in. They brought all the nurses, all the doctors in. They interrogated her. Where have you been? Have you been out of the country? What have you been eating? What have you been taking? She's like, uh, baptism. <laughs> they interrogated her. She goes, I don't know what else to tell you. I got baptized in water and Jesus healed me. They're like, yeah, 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 whatever. Tell us about the medical stuff. Tell us. She goes, I'm telling you, Jesus healed me. I was down, but he wasn't done with me. <laughs> 26-year-old Hayden, West Columbia, South Carolina. We preached at a youth camp in August of last year. They said, let's We'll have baptisms at the end of the night uh, on that Saturday night. So we said, we, we said, we'll baptize anywhere. We baptized last night in Cedar Lake. Would have stayed out there at the 3 o'clock in the morning. That's what I love to do. Anytime I can introduce people to Jesus and have that little point of contact where it's people getting in the water and meeting him and we just get to facilitate, I'll do that until Jesus comes back. It's one of my most honoring things I get to do on the planet. I love being a husband, I love being a father, but when I get to get in that water and watch Jesus heal, restore, give sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf, I, I, just, I don't know. Nothing else matters anymore. This guy got in, he said, I have Tourette's. Does anybody know anything about Tourette's? They tell me it's incurable. Is that correct? If you know anything about Tourette's, they say it's incurable. This man said, I want Jesus to heal me. I have Tourette's. Do you think he can heal me? I said, I know he will heal you. How do you talk so bold and with so much faith, because I haven't seen dozens or hundreds. We've seen thousands of miracles. And if he did it before, he'll do it again. That's just the way it is. And so I said, Jesus is going to heal you tonight. He's like, I hope so. I said, I know so. I know so. There's no doubt in my mind. So he gets in the water, gets baptized. Me and my wife drive back home that, that evening to get back to church on Sunday morning. I'm sitting at church on Sunday morning, sitting about right over here in the section me and Paula sit in. I get a text that morning from the youth pastor at this youth camp. He said, Marty, are you sitting down? I said, yeah. You got good news? He said, do you remember Hayden that got in the water last night with the incurable disease called Tourette's? I said, I do. 
when Hayden got in the water, he was twitching. His eyes would twitch. His neck would twitch. His, his shoulders would twitch. His hands would twitch. He said, you remember Hayden? I said, yeah, I remember Hayden with, with they said, the incurable disease. He said, Marty, he went back to the cabin last night. They all showered, got ready for bed, and he said, ah. He called all the, the boys into the room. He said, guys, look. They're like, what? What are we looking at? He said, look. No ticks. They're like, oh, wow, okay, okay. How long has it been? He's like, since I got out of the water. It's been about an hour now, no ticks. Then he remembered. If he ate chocolate or drank uh, a Coke, it, a soda, it would set him off. It would just highlight, you know, and just amplify the ticks in his body. You, you, don't eat, you don't eat chocolate. You don't eat, you don't eat chocolate. You don't drink Coke. You don't eat chocolate. You don't drink. Don't ever do that. So he didn't until that night. He said, give me some chocolate. He went and found some chocolate. Ah, la, 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 la. Found a Coke. Go, 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 go. Nothing. He said, Marty, he woke up and come to breakfast. No ticks. That was last August. I checked on him last December. Hey, how's Hayden doing? He said, no ticks, not one. <laughs> checked on him a couple of weeks ago. Hey, how's Hayden doing? He said, Marty, he is absolutely on fire, and his family is starting to ask him about Jesus now. No ticks, none. Don't tell me it's impossible. Jesus says, I'm possible. Jesus said, just put me in the mix. You may be down, but you're not done. As long as I can get in there, I'll raise you up. Eutychus, had, he had fallen all those three stories, 30 feet down he falls, and the Bible says he was as if he was dead. Eutychus, I was preaching this one time at a, uh, another youth camp or youth conference or something with the kids, preached this message one time about Eutychus. He fell asleep in church. Don't fall asleep in church, young man, you'll die. They're like, really? I said, read your Bible. Acts 20, fell asleep. Literally, fell asleep. <laughs> oh, I guess that's where we get the terminology. He fell asleep. And the young man said, you know why they called him Eutychus? I said, no, why? He said, you'd have cussed too if you fell 30 feet. <laughs> he said, get out of my room. <laughs> Punk kid, what's wrong with you? Eutychus. Down, but not done. There was one little girl that came. Blair, I got to close. Okay. One little girl that came to our North Georgia revival. It was 2018, maybe 2019. She, she had heard, she lived in Cartersville, Georgia, about an hour and a half, two hours west of us. She had heard about the revival. She went to her mother. She said, Mama, you've got to take me to the North Georgia revival. She she was 11 years old when she came. You'll hear in just a moment. I'm, I'm, I'm going to set it up. I'm, I've got a little brief video I'm going to show you. I asked her her name while she was there, why she needed God to heal her. She said, when I was in the first grade, I had a severe ear infection in my left ear. And they misdiagnosed me. The doctors, they misdiagnosed me. And because they misdiagnosed me, they mistreated me. And it left my left ear scarred up, damaged permanently, and the doctors came to my mother and said, I am so sorry. I am so sorry. There's nothing we can do. Your child, Blair, will be deaf in her left ear for the rest of her life. You can, you can look at cochlear implant to try to help or whatever, but 100% deaf in her left ear. But she heard about the North Georgia Revival, told her mom, you got to get me there. Her mom couldn't get her there, but her grandmother did. She was down 
But God wasn't done with this little girl. Can we stand as we watch this, this little video and then we'll, we'll wrap this thing up. Watch this. What's your name, and where are you from? I'm Mary Falls, and I'm from Cartersville. This is my granddaughter, Blair Robertson, from Marietta. Uh, I'll let her tell you that. Because I'm deaf in my left ear, I lost it in first grade, and, I really, and I'm hoping to get it back. ADHD also. How'd you lose your hearing? It was a really bad ear infection, and the doctors misdiagnosed it, and I did, and no one treated it. Um, they misdiagnosed it and didn't treat it. You love Jesus? I love him with all my heart. He's got treatment. You've got the treatment. If God can heal her, she, he can heal me. Yeah. So, Miss, you're talking about Miss Lee Clark, the lady with stage four cancer. You said what now? If she, if she can have stage four lung cancer, then God and God healed her, then God can definitely heal me. So I have my left hand, my left finger is in her right ear, stopping up her good ear, and I'm whispering to her in her left ear, and she's repeating back to me right now what I'm saying, and she has no idea. Watch, my wife sees it first, then her grandmother. She's repeating back everything I'm whispering to her. Out of her deaf ear, she's hearing me. And why? That is one of several miracles we have on, on, on tape, video, right in front of us, a miracle. That was four years ago. Do you know the little test they give you in school where you hit the buzzer when, you, when the, the, the sound, high-pitched sound, low frequency will come out of the headphones and you hit that? She always failed. She would, she would soar on the test on her right ear, right ear, but the left ear, she could never, she wouldn't score, she would score zero. She could never do it because she was 100% deaf. 
All those years of schooling, zero, zero left there. She leaves the pool, goes back to school that fall. They do the test on her. She scores a 100 on her left ear. Perfect score. We just took her up to ISN to do a, a live interview of what Jesus did for her in the North Georgia Revival. To this day, that girl can hear 100% out of her left ear. Only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus Christ of Nazareth can do that. And He wants to let you know, no matter what's got you down this morning, you're not done. There's a chapter 2 for you that's being written, written right now. It's for you. Thank you for listening to Heartland Christian Center Sermon of the Week. If you would like to partner with us and give, please go to hcc.ag and click to give tab. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with others. Also, if you have a prayer request or want to contact Heartland, please email us at pastorphil at hcc3d.com. Have a blessed week.